So talk to me, Georgia. Why have we gathered here? Why are we even friends? Because <laughs> we fall asleep all the time. Sleeping beauties, what more can I say? <laughs> We've managed to find a time that we're both alive and awake um, <laughs> to talk about sleeping because we both have narcolepsy. I feel like that's how you found me because I was just posting a couple of memes to try and lighten my mood. <laughs> and then we got chatting and yeah we're just so connected we've got the same name and the same sleep disorder and that's pretty much yeah. it yeah i might get really tired during this i haven't slept yet but i have taken my um, medication so i should be all right but you never know if i start mm-hmm. talking gibberish that's because i'm half asleep <laughs> yeah no that's cool so i know some people have like scheduled naps like just yeah. whether they like it or not they'll have a nap during the day at some point is that something that you are quite strict about or you just see how you feel well in the past especially at school I did have the scheduled naps but I absolutely hated them like I just cry myself to sleep because I hate them so much because it wouldn't make a difference like if even if I slept for half an hour I could wake up after that and still fall asleep straight after it's when your brain wants to sleep it's not like when you pick and choose yeah I feel like it's not to do with necessarily how much energy I've used or how many hours I've been awake that usually doesn't matter but it's like how much I've done and like how much mental I guess energy but like mental attention I think for me if I put a lot of attention into something it takes everything out of me and concentration yeah. is really hard, which is hard to explain to people that usually get tired based on energy levels. So, yeah. like, I used to dance a lot in school and that would mm-hmm. never make me tired. But I would, like, sit down for a psychology lesson and within two minutes, my eyes were rolling back in my head. Yeah. And I didn't know why. And my teacher would say, oh, it's because you just did that dance lesson. <laughs> it made you really tired. And I'm like, no, I know it's not that. (laughs) And the difference between me and you is that a lot of my journey with narcolepsy has been undiagnosed. So we have a lot of differences, don't get me wrong. But I think one of the ones that I come back to a lot is that I didn't know I had it. And that made it really hard because people would make their own conclusions about why Mm -hmm. I was always tired and like passing out. And I couldn't say, no, it's because I had this condition until like last year. And then at the same time, once I got diagnosed, I started to get on top of it. So it was really when I didn't know what was going on that it was the worst. Do you feel like you'd look back now and you're like, oh, it makes sense? I feel like for everyone that knows me, there's two types of people that know me. There's the people that when finding out that I've got narcolepsy or finding out what that is, they're like, oh my God, yeah, that makes sense. And then there's the other people that just don't know me as well. That's a different side to me that are like, what are you talking about? You're (laughs) always alert. You're always bubbly. You're not tired Mm -hmm. all the time. When does that happen? And I'm like, that's just you not knowing me that well. And like, that's fine. But that's where the line is. If you know, you know, basically. And there are so many people that once they found out, they were like, oh my God, yeah. For sure that is what you have. (laughs) 
<laughs> I remember I had this teacher once in school and she might not have like understood properly, but she would do things. So during every English class at the start, we'd have like 10 minutes of reading or something. And like what a what, the second I start reading a page, I'm absolutely gone. And I was like, I can't read books as stupid as it sounds. I just can't. Same. So she but she went to the lengths of literally making this entire booklet full of questions and puzzles just for me so that every time we had this 10 minute reading thing I would get that out and do that instead is that like understanding and compassion that you need just people to help you even if they don't understand what's going on do you find it crazy as well the things that you can stay asleep through other people find that crazy because like I try and explain oh, yeah. to people there's every chance I could stay asleep through a rock metal concert like no yeah. problem like it just depends on something in my brain that's keeping the world shut out it's so weird and then you have this as well don't you where actually sometimes you fall asleep and you haven't even realized that you're not awake mm. and I was like Georgia and you're like what I was there I'm here honestly I'll try and fight it stay away because I'm like yeah I can get through this and I'm still taking everything in within that moment and then all of a sudden I'll be like huh what what's going on and I'll completely forget the last hour of me dozing off and And I think that's where embarrassment and shame comes in when someone has to notify you that you've blacked out of the situation Uh and you just feel like no I haven't what are you talking about yeah. like, no I was here I'm fine <laughs> like, yeah. I mean I recently yeah. started to fall asleep in a college lesson and you know the teacher asked me if I was okay and that's when I started to wake up but the only problem was then I'd woken up I felt very reluctant to go and ask her what we needed to do because I completely missed everything everybody else is doing it you <laughs> always miss the instructions I feel like that's a, yeah. a big metaphor for having narcolepsy it's like yeah. You miss the important bit and then someone's like, go. And you're like, yeah. oh, oh, was I supposed to be listening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do think that, I don't know for you, but I see a massive connection to like having attention issues, like concentration issues. That yeah. rather than staring off into space or just zoning out, which a lot of people do if they have ADHD or concentration issues, it's just the go-to is to just fall asleep. Like, why Why would you not fall asleep in this situation? I think my brain often thinks, why not? If there's any opportunity, if it's at all possibly safe, and sometimes not even safe, but, like, my brain kind of seems to know if it's doable. It's just always asking me, why not? Like, why not just yeah. fall asleep right now? Why not? Like, it'd be fun. <laughs> it'd be great. Yeah. And... Yeah, and then I I do kind of just get taken over by that temptation. Yeah. And there's nothing to do about it. I'll end up yawning like 10 times a minute and that's when I know I'm going to start falling asleep because my eyes will just be streaming and I'll be yawning so much and then I'll start to fall asleep. But sometimes I'll be staring into space and people are like, what is she doing? Wave the hand in front of my face, but I'm actually like asleep. It's not that different from having some sort of a seizure. That's the thing. And like, I think all of these things that narcolepsy is kind of similar to, I do like to bring it up because, oh, I fall asleep a lot. It's really hard for people to understand that's a big deal. 
not something funny and chilled out like this is not far off from like having a seizure I'm just blacking out in some other different way then people might understand that it is kind of serious also when I have cataplexy some people can think it is epilepsy but it's not and I always say I'm having a fit and they're like oh my god what what's going on I'm like no it's just my way of saying I'm having a cataplexy episode or an attack without having to say that long word so I'm just saying I'm having a fit and it doesn't like I'm shaking but I am just laughing Mm -hmm. and I bet some people think what a miserable family when my mum will tell me to stop laughing but she knows if I don't then I'm just gonna be on the floor yeah I guess there's two sides of the spectrum right there's being really bored and understimulated can't do that and then there's being really overexcited and overstimulated it's almost like you can't go near those two boundaries if you go near the overstimulated one you start to again lose control but instead of it being oh I'm falling away into like unconsciousness it's like I'm falling away into being on the floor it's so weird it's like one of them's over in the brain side and your brain starts to like drift off and then the other one's like your body your muscles just start to like like it's horrible it's a bit like paralysis in a way it's like your body goes to sleep and your mind's awake people just don't get it when I say when I laugh I collapse because the first thing they think is Mm. oh my god you faint and I'm like no I don't faint like yeah when I collapse obviously fully conscious my eyes go to the back of my head because the muscles relax so you can't keep your eyes open it's literally impossible and I know in the past like some family members then they for me was like floppy or jelly and things like that and I do say like oh you know I've got jelly legs because that's what it's like and I absolutely hate the one in my face like I went to the bathroom and there was a girl in there and as I walked past the girl I smiled at her I could feel cataplexy in my face and I don't know why but Oh God, it's so annoying. Yeah, I think it comes up when you're in a new experience or something that maybe your body's just extra sensitive. Anything could trigger it that you would think is just normal. Definitely nerves and laughter. It's a bit like embarrassment and nerves at the same time. Walking past a guy that looks really cute and I can feel myself starting to have cataplexy. And it's just the most frustrating thing ever your body just will take over and I just lose any ability to keep hold of myself and keep hold of anything that I'm holding on to which is the worst I do like to drink a tea or coffee and often somebody's gonna make me laugh and someone's gonna have to catch that drink and I actually crack myself up more than anyone Like, I trigger my cataplexy more than anyone because I think I'm so funny. That's the worst thing because then everyone else is like, what the hell are you laughing about? And it's probably just the way I've told myself something in my head. And I'm falling apart. I'm dropping whatever's in my hand. It happened to me the other day. I was literally, it's going to be kind of gross, but I had this really nice drink in a cup and I was just drinking. And then my sister burped really loudly. So then it made me laugh. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do? My mum had to basically catch me before I fell over. And every time I went to come out of this like attack, I would go back down again. And if she wasn't there, I would probably be like, on the floor but yeah it's kind of crappy to think that that could happen especially out of such a funny situation yeah 
But I do think it's something you have to work with and maybe just be ready for and find a way to still have fun. Because it could be really easy for you or anyone that has that experience to just think, oh, I'll just shut myself away and not go out again. And, you know, avoid any situation that might end up with me flat out on the floor because someone's made me laugh. And like, that's just so sad. I wouldn't want to think that could happen to someone. And I do think Mm. there are probably quite a lot of people out there that other than the fact that they're struggling with narcolepsy and cataplexy, the day to day aspects of that, they're also losing their confidence and ability to just have a good time which I think is the side of it that people don't realize you know losing your confidence shame embarrassment just not feeling like you can look after yourself yeah I don't go out and I really want to try to and I do think most of it has started from this fear of what if I fall asleep in public what if I fall asleep and somebody tries to mug me or if I fall asleep on the bus and I don't know where I am And also the cataplexy, because if my friends aren't aware and I do hurt myself, it is scary because I have broken lots of bones and been injured. And you can't necessarily trust yourself because if you do fall over, you can't catch yourself. So you have to sort of, I don't like the word rely, but you rely on other people that if it did happen, that they would be there for you because you can't necessarily be there for yourself. But I know I can control it to a certain extent and I can stop laughing quite quickly. But in those moments where it is really hilarious and you just can't hold yourself up, it's like, do I try and stay up or do I literally just let myself fall and get hurt? (laughs) Not something that most people need to think about when they're just having a laugh. My friend asked, what is the worst place you've ever fell asleep accidentally? Oh, that's such a good one. I'll say what first came to my mind, just because it happens a lot. I don't think it's the worst, but I'll find out the worst. Because I've definitely fallen asleep in just, like, random coffee shops. And there's nothing that bad about seeing a student with their head on a laptop in a university campus. But I have found myself with my head up, like, mouth open, just, like, could be dead. Like, dribbling. And oh, I'm yeah. just in a Costa really on my own, yeah. just with my laptop. I was just halfway through a sentence. And it's embarrassing. It's yeah, so really. embarrassing. And that's the first thing that pops into my head. But it's definitely not the worst place. I'll get yeah. back to you on that. I definitely try to not fall asleep in public, though it is like practically impossible. When I was younger and it wasn't controlled and we were trying to figure out what was going on, I would fall asleep for hours on end, especially if we went shopping. Pretty sure I fell asleep in a shoe shop and like three hours mm. later we were still in the same shoe shop and the, the lady was like, is everything okay? Like, why are you still here? Oh. And then my mum had to explain everything to her. And that's why then we inquired about getting me a wheelchair. So that if we did go places, I all I'd do is fall asleep in the wheelchair and they could carry on wherever we needed to go rather than waiting for me to wake up. Yeah. Because then it wasn't fair on my sister either. Um, especially places like shops, because, you know, if the shop started to shut, how are you going to wake me up? Yeah. So at that time when you were younger, because I haven't really experienced difficulties with being able to wake up. So, like, if somebody yeah. came and woke me up, I'd just wake up, yeah. probably. But at that time, do you feel like you would just literally get a sleep attack and then that's it for you? Definitely. You couldn't really be woken up? Yeah. 
I mean, um, at one point, mum said I did sleep 22 hours a day. And that's when they like, took me to hospital because I would just not wake up. And yeah, it's really hard for me to remember because I was five years old at the time. I just know that I don't even remember being awake. <laughs> and it's just crazy to think. So do you feel like you're, like, in terms of like the most embarrassing or worst yeah. place to fall asleep, do you feel like yeah. those times probably happened when you were younger more? Probably, yeah, because I just want to sleep everywhere, anywhere, all the time. <laughs> Which is so sad, and I think that's where I get a bit upset because I was struggling probably the most around when I was, like, 18, which is yeah. obviously not five years old, but I felt so miserable because I was like, I should be top of my game. I should be in my prime. Yeah. Like, I'm 18 years old. Yeah. I'm just in sixth form. I'm not trying to climb Mount Everest and I can't get through the day. Like, uh -huh. I'm not an old lady. I used to go to my grandma's house and, like, I would just pass out instantly. She'd be trying to talk to me. Yeah. I'd be like, no. And I was 18 and she's an old lady. So she mm -hmm. should be falling asleep on me. Like, <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to go. And I just couldn't work out why I was, like, falling apart at 18. Yeah. The fact of, like, dealing with it in your younger years, I'd say any time before, like, 60, although I don't know what it's like yeah. to be 60, just feels so crappy because you know you're supposed to be full of energy. Yeah. And if your personality is quite bubbly as well, and you're not, like, an introvert, you're not, like, a low-energy person, you just know that it's not right. But... Yeah, I guess those years, my sixth form years, 17, 18, just sucked. I couldn't work out what was wrong with me. I just thought it was A-levels, just getting to the better of me. And yeah, it was it was rubbish. I mean, you wouldn't expect a five-year-old to be sleeping all the time. I was running around, playing with the dog and, you know, dancing and singing. And then all of a sudden, for me to just start falling asleep, my mum was like, there's definitely something wrong with my daughter. And the amount of doctors that just, like, was like, no, she's absolutely fine, all the bloods are normal. And a lot of my scans come back inconclusive. The amount of times I got put down by doctors until that one person just said, have you ever heard of narcolepsy and the entire world changed? Because nobody would listen. Everyone thought we was lying. This whole raising awareness thing that I really want to do, especially because I know that I have narcolepsy definitely on more of the mild side of the yeah. spectrum. And I feel like a duty to like speak for people that first of all struggle a lot more and it's a lot more debilitating for them and they just wouldn't maybe know or feel confident to speak out and I think it's also nice for people who have family members that have narcolepsy because there's always there's always a support group there's always a support network yeah. and if people don't even know what narcolepsy is then they're definitely not going to know about how it is to look after someone with narcolepsy or care about someone with narcolepsy I just think there's a whole long way for us to go with raising awareness because as far as I can tell there isn't any <laughs> I actually think in America they have a little bit more for some reason yeah. I think it's a little bit more prevalent or at least like there's people making videos and talking about it over there so I can just go, you know, to get care plans in place, it was really hard, especially the people that didn't understand. But then there was this one, like, Senko 
she was absolutely amazing like really helped us through trying to get everything sorted getting care plans in place and she actually understood it more because one of her friend's daughters had narcolepsy so there would probably be a completely different understanding if she hadn't have had that experience um so that was a lot more helpful because she did already know somebody with it and a lot of people with ADHD also know about narcolepsy because it's literally the opposite of their condition. I think it's very connected, actually. I try and explain to people that, like, in the same environment that an ADHD person would get irritated or upset or frustrated, I will probably just get really tired. It's the same things that cause it sometimes, yeah. like concentration and, you know, just in general, ADHD is underdiagnosed especially in girls and yeah. so if that's underdiagnosed then we don't even have a chance like yeah. of, of getting the support and yeah my school experience would have been very different if yeah. I had even just a slight understanding of what was going on for me and the funny thing is is that I did not get anywhere near close to an answer until about a year after I finished education that's what I want to change and go into schools and talk about the signs and symptoms yeah. make sure people know how to look out for it because it can be really rubbish to be a young person with narcolepsy especially when people don't understand and support it but they couldn't even understand and support it if you didn't know you had it so yeah. I feel like We've gone through the same things in terms of people not understanding and supporting it. But it's like for you, it was more of like a choice for them to be a bit rubbish or just <laughs> not very caring and considerate. Whereas like for me, there was just literally no chance because nobody yeah. knew. Like I was getting told, oh, you're probably just iron deficient. I've been told that as well. <laughs> just like eat some more red meat. <laughs> like to stop yeah. falling asleep and take these iron tablets and vitamin d and all these other things and like that's great but I knew that they weren't helping me I knew it wasn't helping even if people do know about the condition some people are just ignorant towards it like I've been told before that you know because I wasn't falling asleep in somebody's class I had nothing wrong with me because they've never seen me asleep or people thought that I was faking it and they're like oh yeah I'm tired all the time too like nothing's different there the only time where people were more educated was in year six because I had this really good therapist and she helped me create a presentation that would be simple for people to understand and I presented it to all of my classmates just so that they knew more about me my sister she's being tested for it as well now as you get older during that puberty and stuff it can get worse or you can develop symptoms and she's like falling asleep all the time the yeah. fact that teenagers struggle with sleep and they get more tired it's like maybe there's a connection there and instead of bullying young people for being more tired like it's not because they stay up all night and do things that they shouldn't be doing even if it was that you still need to support them. It's not a thing to be punished. And the funny thing is, like, people think it stops and starts when you're asleep and then you wake up. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but what about as it's working its way up to a sleep attack, all of a sudden you get slapped with the feeling that 
you've been awake for three days straight, you're not going to be the nicest person. If you don't understand why that is, and the people that are around you don't understand why that is, they're going to start calling you moody. They're going to start being off with you. Why are you being short-tempered? Why are you being weird with me? You end up isolating yourself even more from people because they don't understand how your mood is affected. The way you could describe narcolepsy is if you've been awake for 72 hours and put straight into a working day, that's how we feel every single day. I don't feel like that. And then all of a sudden I do. It's not like the day goes on and, you know, by 10am I feel a bit tired and then 11am I feel a bit more tired. It's like, I'm going about my day. I'm not tired. I'm all good. And then straight away, like, boom, having to fight that is the worst thing. If you're in an environment where, like, I can't do this right now, it's like being hit with the urge to go to the toilet and you can't. You're not the nicest person in that situation because you're having to fight your own brain and your own body right now whilst having a conversation with someone or being in the middle of a presentation or an appointment or something important. You know, it could be your wedding day. It doesn't matter. There's no experience that is kept out of this. It could be your friend's wedding day or the most amazing show that you've paid £200 to go and see. It doesn't matter and it's going to potentially ruin it. You don't get to have that time back and that kind of sucks. On my mum and dad's wedding day, I was fighting as much as I could. We had to get up at six or seven in the morning and then I was falling asleep having my hair done at the salon. And then I was eating the dinner and the people at the wedding place were really, really good. So as I started to fall asleep and I fell asleep, they knew about my condition and everything. So they said if I needed to fall asleep, what they'd do is they'd take my dinner away, keep it warm. And then when I was awake, they'd bring it back to me. So my mom said I fell asleep and I ended up falling asleep with my head on her lap. So she was trying to eat her dinner, trying to like not drip gravy down my ear or something. (laughs) That for me was really annoying because, you know, you want to be awake during these things. But the amount of times I've started to fall asleep during assembly and cinema movies. So you're at the cinema to watch that one movie you can't find anywhere else and you've missed half of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, literally happens a lot. You just feel like there's some things you don't want to miss out on. And you don't want to have to fight your way through that day. You just want to be able to enjoy it. You can do all the preparation, take all the medication, whatever. It's just not going to make any difference because you're not in control. You don't get to have a say, like, over this. As a teenager as well, you want to be going to sleepovers. And a lot of the times I've had to say no. And the only reason why I did have a sleepover at someone's house was because we knew the parents really well and the mum was a nurse for all the nighttime medication I had to take because it's really, like, dangerous if they did it wrong or whatever. I could do it myself now, but at that time I couldn't. Even silly things like riding a bike, I couldn't do on my own because of cataplexy. I broke my arm trying to do roller skates because I laughed and went straight on it. So I had my arm in a cast for my seventh birthday party. (laughs) Uh, Little things, people don't realise, you know, I actually can't do that. You know, most of the time I'm okay, but it does get to that point where you can't anymore was at the zoo walking around and we had my wheelchair but I knew the second that I sat down after walking around for like an hour I would fall asleep 
So I was like, nah, everybody has to sit down and eat and I'm going to stand the whole time. <laughs> but then they were like, no, no, sit down. So I sat down and within seconds I was gone. I was like, I told you I'd fall asleep because I've just sat oh down. My God. When I was younger, walking home from primary school, I was like a zombie. I could walk home and fall asleep the entire time walking home. Before feeling actually tired or anything, I feel like a kind of processing yeah. lag can start. It takes a little bit more brain power to just conversate yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say in the video i'm moving around like a weirdo just leave it <laughs> just be like okay <laughs> it gets worse if i'm tired or stressed because you weren't ticking before so do you feel like now it's like made an appearance sort of because you can't really see what i'm doing with my hands and stuff so it's not as bad it's mainly just this shoulder one that annoys the hell out of me do you feel like it's kind of connected to stress a little bit sort of the neurologist has said that she feels like it's my brain's way of trying to stay awake so as i'm getting tired i start making all these movements not Tourette's, but it's motor tic syndrome it's like a form of Tourette's. i make one noise in my mouth that's like like that and it's really annoying but I don't actually make any vocal ones other than that they're all movements when I was younger the doctor said that he counted about 60 different ones all over my body and even in primary school I had permission to take my boots off because I couldn't wear anything that was restricting the school uniform had to be a size bigger so that it wasn't restricting because it made my tics 10 times worse wow there's so much more to learn about tics we could honestly talk all day I think we should do it actually one day I think we should spend the whole day together maybe in person as well yeah. you can come to London or I'll come to Birmingham and we'll just see what what happens because I think it'll be <laughs> so funny honestly imagine we're both falling asleep there well it'd be nice to actually be around someone else with narcolepsy I've never experienced that it's also nice as much as people are supportive that don't have it I think even getting together with a group of people that have narcolepsy and just knowing that they understand would be so nice. I've never had that before. I think Narcolepsy UK set up like, a, I think it was them or it was somebody else, set up like a conference thing when I was really young. And so basically they had this entire area of talking about the boring stuff with the adults and my mum and dad sat on a table with a girl that looked my age and there was this area where the kids could go so everybody there had narcolepsy all different ages and whatnot like really little kids and then you've got the older ones too so while the adults were sat down with tea and coffee listening to this presentation with specialists and chatting about it the kids went off into this room they had bean bags and a place where you could sleep and there was like a painting park people were playing mario kart like, and i know this girl that i've made friends with her cataplexy was a lot worse than mine so we were playing that game where you like throw the bean bag or whatever and whatever and you have to catch it and she was like on the floor the second we started playing it as well i was okay so if it, my sleeping was worse than hers, but her cataplexy was worse than mine. But I did lose contact because we lived so far away from each other and we were so young. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame. I think that probably would have been set up for parents of kids with narcolepsy. So like, yeah. it's not so much of a support group for us as opposed to for the people that are like caring about yeah. us. But that is still really cool. Mm -hmm. Finding people online is cool. But I think getting together in person and feeling like, 
you're not alone in this weird thing yeah. that people don't even know how to pronounce or say or like talk about I know like my mum and dad have like really struggled and my sister has as well I don't necessarily know how much of a impact it's also made on my mum because you know it's made an impact on me but she's been through it all with me from the start because she's the one that's going at it to make sure that everything's right for me having to go to all the appointments medications and stuff she's never had like anybody to talk to yeah like there's no way my boyfriend has anyone to talk to about having a girlfriend with narcolepsy yeah with the internet and the big world that is out there like it would be nice to kind of change that it's a surprisingly difficult thing to deal with especially Mm -hmm. if you don't know what's going on with your girlfriend and why she's always like not able to watch (laughs) a film with you not able to get through the day it just really takes a toll on a relationship again leading to isolation so All of this stuff that we go through, as much as it is just like, oh, you just sleep, you know, that's harmless. It's like it's all leading to isolation. And I think the scariest thing for a person with narcolepsy is just ending up alone and just spiralling into a depressive state of constant sleepiness and not having anyone to help with that. And I think all of the symptoms and not getting the support you need can lead to that isolation. We've talked about mood, being a contributor to that, struggling to even get out and meet new people, relationships, keeping hold of a relationship, parents, not just I fall asleep more than the average person because if it was just that, we wouldn't be going on about it all the time. (laughs) I feel like I go on about it a lot, but it's only because if I hadn't gone on about how I was feeling and my symptoms I still wouldn't be diagnosed now and that's scary to me so I'd rather like bang on about it and help somebody else get the answers that I didn't have. Yeah I mean I have my parents to thank for that because obviously I was too young to have known anything that was going on anyway so it was good that obviously they knew something's wrong and literally fought until we did get answers even though we got put down so many times even now you know they're still doing everything they possibly can and you know um, in the middle of like moving hospitals from like kids one to an adult one basically and that has just been annoying because you know you've got to meet new neurologists and new people and get new medication and yeah I've been lucky to have that like supportive family and people that have known about it I never used to talk about it whatsoever but now I just chat about it all the time quite open about it but I still have that fear of you know boys aren't going to like me or want to be with me because of it and you know I'm just going to push them away or friends won't want to be my friends when they know that I've got it and I'm really lucky with the friends I've got now and unfortunately I don't have a boyfriend otherwise I could have met yours and maybe they'll have something in common <laughs> relationships are really hard to form just because you know you want to go on dates and stuff in an actual relationship and I've never been out with my friends never mind going out someone who could be a boyfriend you know what I mean so then I'd always have to be like oh you know I can't really do this can't do that and they're like oh okay well bye then (laughs) and it's really frustrating okay here's a random question for you with all the symptoms that you have and how difficult it is to diagnose narcolepsy Do you think in a different world, if you hadn't have been diagnosed at such a young age and maybe time went on and you got into your teenage years and you were still struggling in a similar sort of way, that doctors or neurologists or psychiatrists 
could have come to the conclusion more along the lines of like depression and maybe even schizophrenia. Yeah, say, the amount of times people have said, you know, you've probably gotten depression, go to bed early. It just makes the process so much longer mm. because you could be trying meds for something that you don't have. You know, the, one of the first things they said to my parents when I was younger is worst case scenario, leukemia. And my mum's heart was just out of her mouth. Like, oh my God, you don't want that for your child. And every amount of times they were like, oh, you're just lying. You want something to be wrong with your child. It does just take that one person, though, to suggest something for the whole world to change. I think it's so common for people to have more than one thing going on at once. And they lead to each other. They knock on to each other. And it just causes a piling up effect on your mental health and and your physical health as well. I feel like if we could give this conversation a title, it would be like, narcolepsy is not a joke. Because I think the thing that we have to do more often is just convince people that it is a bigger deal than they think it is. Or that our situation might be more difficult than it seems. I think with more awareness maybe we won't have to do that as much because it'll just be understood yeah. then we can focus on other conversations other than just convincing people that it is difficult yeah. and it, it comes with all these extra things so it's just all very draining I always want people to know if there is something wrong with them my parents to not have known for two years and for you even longer and having to struggle with it for all of that time and mm. not know about it it's so much better to you know yeah. narrow it down to that one thing 100 and then it would all make the world there knowing what's going on is almost like the biggest part of the battle and yeah. then what is actually going on becomes so much easier to manage because people deal with like so many different things like depression and whatnot but as soon as you do get that diagnosis, you can then say, well, okay, well, now I've got this diagnosis, I have a reason for everything that's happened and why and what they can actually do to resolve that as much as possible, like medications and therapy, getting help, talking to other people. I do encourage people to talk as much as a lot of people don't like to, because if you don't talk about how you feel and things, you know, you will go into things like depression and you can't get the help that you need because you just won't talk about it because you know we're not mind readers if you don't tell me how you're feeling how am I supposed to know yeah I'm so glad now that I know what's going on I won't stop talking about it and it feels great because there's so many things that we could do with our lives we're not just sitting here struggling with narcolepsy all day long there's obviously other things that we can do and pursue in our lives But it feels good to do this because it does need the awareness. It needs everything. There's just no one talking about narcolepsy. That's why I feel passionate to do it. And I hope that will encourage more people to at least engage, comment and chat to us and send us questions. We've got to answer those questions as well so that other people feel more safe to show what happens. Some people might be listening and might even know that they could have narcolepsy and not know about it. I'm so proud of us. We just filmed our first podcast episode. So (laughs) I am going to wrap this up now because my boyfriend's going to turn up at some point and be like, are we doing anything today? I also need to take some more meds, probably. Probably be good. I've done that, which is very rough of me, but you know. Very responsible of you. Um, Yeah. All right. Bye.